Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Meet Some Introduction. In today's episode, we will be covering the latest episode, the fourth episode of The After Party. This is going to be a pretty short recap part of the episode because not that much happened this episode. Primarily, we'll be talking about the new Hulu series, Pam and Tommy, about the Pam and Tommy Lee sex tape, and maybe the beginning of this current world of uh, culture that we're in now. And we can speak about what that says about our culture today and whether this is really a worthy tackling of the issue, because I have mixed opinions about it. So, but I think it will make for an interesting conversation. Make sure you subscribe to us. So, you know, when these episodes become available, I guess we will just, I'll just kick it off with this for next week. Sona, what would you like to cover? We're going to obviously continue to cover the after party. It's only got a few more episodes anyway. And I was thinking maybe we cover Kimmy. It's the new Zoe Kravitz, Steven Soderbergh, HBO Max original movie. Are you on board with that? Or do you think we, yeah? Okay. Oh, the other alternative, which maybe you might be interested in also, would be to look at the new Shonda Rhimes made like a half billion dollar deal with Netflix. And her first project is this story about that Russian scam artist in New York City who was passing herself off as a royalty mm-hmm. and stars our friend Ruth from Ozark is the star. Ah. So that also comes out next week. And of course it's Netflix. So they'll dump the whole show. So maybe okay. we I don't have time to get through the whole show. Exactly. <laughs> That's the risk. That's the risk there. So possibly we uh, save that one for the following week because yes. it gives you time to, to catch up on it. Thank you for that. Uh, sure. All right. So we'll do Kimmy for next week. That's the name of that Zoe Kravitz uh, thriller. I think it's less than two hours. So pretty easy to catch up on. Also, I had watched Nightmare Alley and that was an option for watching. I did publish a review and I do recommend people track that down. The most interesting thing about that film is not the film itself, but it's the book back from 1946, 47. The biography of the author is so fascinating because the film is about this, not the film itself, I should say, but the book because Bradley Cooper's too old to play the role. But in the book, the protagonist starts as a teenager who runs away from home and joins the carnival. And in real life, this guy ran away from home after his parents divorced when he was 16 years old. So a lot of the backstory of the protagonist in the book actually lines up with the author. But more fascinating is that the author himself, he is basically undone, minor spoilers for the, this is a film noir, so there's not much to spoil here, to be honest. The protagonist is undone by alcoholism. He comes from a a very abusive father in the book, this is. And uh, he also is, the whole entire book is a deconstruction of how these structures in society are scams. You're being controlled by politicians. You're being controlled by big business. You're being controlled by religion. And uh, he explicitly goes and explains how all of these spiritualists, the scams they pull, these psychics, how they are able to read a room. So he 
debunks all of this in this film explicitly. And then he becomes very popular he, with this book. He becomes extremely rich, very successful. He never really achieves that success again, but then he becomes an alcoholic, becomes fascinated with spiritualism. He becomes a Scientologist. He falls for every one of these scams. He is abusive to his wife who like leaves him and he eventually commits suicide. So it's this crazy irony that he predicted his biography in this book. It's really fascinating. Not only that, it's this very interesting social document of the time, but on top of that, that he basically everything he warns us about in the film, he falls for in his own personal life. It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So that uh, episode I published this weekend, so catch up on that if you haven't listened to it. And read the book, by the way, fascinating book. And it's available for free everywhere because it's, you know, out of uh, copyright. All right. For this week's episode, first we'll start off with the after party because we'll probably get through it pretty quickly. Oh, but I wanted to make one recommendation before we get going with anything else. Another possible option for this week was a show that had come on Netflix, another comedy murder mystery called Murderville. Did you hear about this, Sona? I did. Yes. Just really briefly. So I had heard very mixed things about it. So what I did was I simply sampled the first few minutes of each episode. And if I was into it right away, I watched it. And what I would say to you, I'm not going to give a full recommendation here because I didn't watch the whole show. I think there's only six episodes and they're short. So probably easy to get through if you want, if this sounds interesting to you, but what it is, it's a host, Will Arnett, or I should say there's a scripted show, a murder mystery, Will Arnett stars in it. And then they have a guest come on. And they have no script and they have to try to solve the murder mystery and it's all improvised. So their scripting of the guests is all improvised, although the rest of them are scripted pretty much. If you like seeing improvisation, watch this show, I would say. And beyond that, it's the fact that the murder mystery, I would say, is solvable and they solve it at the end. But when I say it's solvable, this is like a dinner party murder mystery where the killer's right-handed. So which mm -hmm. one of the suspects is shows you that they're right or left-handed. So very basic solving if you wanted to track it down. But what I wanted to recommend is definitely, if this sounds even mildly uh, interesting to you, check out the Conan O'Brien episode, which is the very first one. It is so hysterically funny. I laughed so hard watching this thing and I pretty much skipped all the other ones because I didn't get into them. Oh, mm -hmm. and I would say also the Camille Nanjiami. It's the only two episodes that I, I watched and uh, they were both hysterically funny really funny. So I would recommend it. I was actually going to play an excerpt, just like one little scene that goes really wrong in the obviously improvised and it goes badly and not with Conan O'Brien. And it just made me laugh so hard. Track it down. If, if you like seeing comedians flounder through an improv scene, it's the very, very entertaining stuff. So check that out. That's interesting. Okay. So in the after party, what'd you think of this episode in general, Sona? Okay. I enjoyed the episode. We talked about how, unbeknownst to me, you told me that each episode is shot in a different genre, with one being a rom-com, one being an action movie, one being a musical, and this week was thriller, suspense, mm -hmm. horror kind of thing. And that part, for whatever reason, didn't really work for me. I don't know. I, I feel like they just didn't go all in on it enough. Yeah. Like, it was there. I understood what they were trying to do. But it just wasn't really selling me. And that aside, though, I do like this concept that we talked about of the different perspectives on the same events and the idea that everyone is the main character in their own life. So 
when you are telling the story, you are the center of the story and everything that happens relates to you somehow, even if it's not about you at all. And I thought this was a really good execution of that idea, at least. What do you think? Yeah, I feel the same way. First of all, I thought it was interesting purely as is whether it's successful or not at being you know, the genre exercise. I do give him credit for even the framing of this episode at the very beginning where, where Jasper says, oh, I saw somebody up in this other room and it turns out to be just like that cutout. Yes. That even that, the tone of that was literally like thriller where there's like the music is more ominous mm -hmm. and it just feels different than the show has felt up until that point. So I give him credit for doing it, for attempting it. But like you said, I don't think it works that well because they still have to have these comedic moments Right. And there's no real threat at any point, which I think is a problem with a thriller, or even it turns out like someone's stalking her throughout the episode and it's just somebody trying to give her keys back. Well, there is yeah. a funny payoff there that it's, she's like, why don't you just say, hey, I have your keys. I, there is though the text that she's getting, but yeah. Yes, true. That's a good point though. The texts are definitely more threatening than this person. But yeah, I agree that for this one, I think it's the least successful, not necessarily because they did a terrible job of, you know, pulling off a thriller. It's a lot of lighting, a lot of jump scares and a lot of just music, which is trying to sell this as a thriller and it's fine, but uh, I thought it was the least successful of these so far. Yeah. I'm that being said, I did find a few parts that I noted that I found very funny and I should just put this out there that the one big thing we discover here is that Brett and Chelsea were having the affair. So Brett's affair that broke up his marriage yes. was actually with Chelsea. Yes. So that's really the only, I think only pressing thing that kind of thickens the plot here. But I did think that first of all, when they have their private conversation where he like grabs her and puts her into the photo booth and they're arguing and then posing. <laughs> yeah, for that was very cute. Yeah, that was very good. I like that one. And the other thing that I laughed out loud because this has happened to me so many times was when uh, Anik has snuck into the actual interview room and he's saying, oh my God, Brett's affair was with Chelsea mm -hmm. and Jasper is responding with all the gifts. And it's just like, we probably had that experience where you're like, you're on a conversation thread at work or something and yeah. everybody's responding with gifts and yeah. emojis and your phone is like yeah. buzzing and buzzing. And, <laughs> and that was funny. The only other one that I thought was very funny was also when the Jennifers are making fun of Chelsea and uh, she's overhearing them. And at one point they say, and what's wrong with her hair? It's like, she's been in a tornado or something. Yeah. And it's she interjects, hair. it's Jewish hair. It's just the <laughs> texture of my hair. And they're all like, oh no, we love Jewish people. And someone with her own hair issues, I can <laughs> with that. Um, I actually was on a Zoom this week where the person on the other side said, your hair is quite voluminous today. And I said, you can take the hair out of Jersey, but you can't take the Jersey out of the hair. And that was the critique was the volume of the hair. So yes. And the, yeah, so the general Carl Frizz, unkempt, uncontrollable. I relate. I get it. So yes, that was a good one. My hair, I keep my hair short now, but my hair will get curly in the humidity. When it's cold now, my hair's nice and flat, but when it gets uh, warmer out, my hair gets some. So I assume it's even more pronounced for you. Yeah. I've decided at this stage of life to just embrace it. Decades trying to battle it into submission and with varying success, depending on the temperature, the season, the weather, the relative humidity, the dew point, all of that. <laughs> you have to check your weather app every day to prepare your hair. Do you remember when I visited you in Portugal, I texted you beforehand and I said, you're near the water. Is it humid or is it not? I need to know. So I have to figure out what to pack in order to get my hair under control. So yes, it does require a lot of advanced planning. 
What was your experience of that, by the way? It, it is very dry down there, the it air not- itself, but you are yeah. so close to the ocean. So I don't know. I don't remember what your experience of your hair no. was. You told me it was not humid and you were correct. It was not. My hair stayed beautifully straight that whole time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it is very arid in the south of Portugal, by the way, for anybody else. But, I, you know, there was a, the, the ocean water could be a, a complicating a factor. So I didn't know how that oh, worked out. Yeah. New Jersey, a mile of the water, the humidity True. like intense. So, True. good yeah. point. Good point. And the wind as well to just increase the volume even further. All right. So I think that's all I really wanted to touch on here. Oh, I do want to also mention that probably next week might be a more complex, but maybe a more entertaining episode as well. I think I told you last week that the next episode is going to be, it's called high school. Whereas all these other episodes have had the character's name, like the most recent episode is called Chelsea, for example. And and, uh, Apple plus is only dropping the description of the episodes one episode ahead. So the next one's called high school. It takes place in high school. The images on the promo include the actors themselves playing themselves as 18 years old, which is very funny. They actually do look very young, surprisingly, in these uh, pictures. But the funniest part about it is I assumed this story was being told in flashback and had no narrator, basically. But of course, apropos to the episode itself, this story is actually being told by Walt. Okay. But of course, he does not get an episode with his name on it because no one remembers his name anyway. So it's just called high school. So he was there in high school then. Yes. We so can... now I guess that tells us that he that was there. That was a little the mystery is whether he just is trying to somehow right. his way into the group, just weasel in. And apparently this is the episode that finally tells us what happened 15 years ago in high school. So he's going to spill the beans and this is going to be the crux of the show from this point on. So we'll see how that all plays out. And next episode, I don't know the description of it, but the name of it is Zoe. So of course that's going to be Zoe's episode. We're more than halfway through it. So a short way to go. And I am very interested in seeing the high school episode. I, I think that you as well, I probably have a, an affinity for these kind of high school genres. So it might be fun. To see. And it wouldn't be the first time having a 30 something year old person playing a teenager in a high school <laughs> show movie. That's pretty commonplace actually. So that's what we can look forward to next week and beyond. I was lying on the grass a Sunday morning of last week, indulging in my self-defeat. My mind was thugged, all least the bugs, all twisted around and beat. A comfortable three feet deep. Now the fuzzy stare from not being there on a confusing morning week. Most of what we're going to talk about here is the Pam and Tommy series, which I have my issues with, but I did find interesting. I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this also. So first of all, a little backstory on this. It is produced by Seth Rogen and his production partner who have a bunch of things. He's become a quite a producer. He has The Boys on Amazon Prime, which is hugely popular. And a new season of that is coming in June. I might be covering it here. And uh, some other shows they've been doing as well for Amazon Prime mostly. I think this is the first thing they produced for who it's getting a lot of buzz. So I don't know what the numbers are yet, but I'm sure it had a lot of viewership this week. 
It is also, I've mentioned this before, this is all part of this kind of 90s throwback that's been happening. Uh, and this goes all the way back to things we've covered here. I didn't even remember this one, Sona, but we, you, you had to, uh, recommended at one point Cruel Summer, which is also a 90s <laughs> throwback show. So yet again. <laughs> and of course, we had the Scream revival and so many things, uh, Yellow Jackets, right? So this, the 90s thing is taking off now. And here's yet again, another throwing a bone to, to our generation, basically, and our nostalgia. So this is nostalgia for the 90s now, which is the new thing. So that's key. Another thing that I think intersects with other things we've talked about is, of course, we never went back to this, but we had talked many, I think maybe in our very first conversation in this podcast, we talked about the whole Britney Spears uh, conspiracy. And in mm -hmm. the time she's been freed from her um, conservatorship. So that's, you know, pretty interesting. That's happened just in the past nine, 10 months that we've been doing this podcast. And she's had her tainted image reclaimed. And here's an opportunity to do it here with Pam as well by reframing these events. I don't know how successful they are at it, but we, we can talk about that. Uh, and lastly, is that the talent behind this camera. So Craig Gillespie is the director of this show or directed most of these episodes and one of the producers. And he also made I, Tanya, which is another shamed woman from the nineties who was reclaimed in that movie to some extent, but that's a little background on it. What did you think about this in general? Listen, the nineties nostalgia thing. I love it. I am here for it, but there are certain things that I was not super on top of or into in the nineties and this whole. Pam, Tommy, sex tape thing falls into that category. Certainly, I know who these people are. I, though, was not a Motley Crue fan, and I have never seen an episode of Baywatch in my life when I haven't seen the sex tape. So I guess I'm maybe not the intended audience <laughs> now that I'm saying all this out loud. But it did hold my interest as a story. And I think certainly in retrospect, we have seen the power of the sex tape in creating mm -hmm. the current empire and the different types of spin you can put on something like this. As time passes, the idea of it, the scandal of it has really, and the stigma of it has really changed. But this, at least to my recollection, is maybe the first big celebrity sex tape scandal, yeah. I think. So it's interesting to see. I think Right before we talked, I was trying to Google a little bit just to see what it was based on. How accurate is it really? Uh, not so much about the sex tape part, but their relationship. And because I feel like this show is doing a lot of work to slot these two main characters into like good girl, bad boy. And I just don't know how much of that is accurate or not. I don't have positive or negative impressions of either of them that I'm looking for something to reinforce. Like it's pretty much a blank slate to me. I'm as feminist as they come. I am a thousand percent for female empowerment. I have no problem with Pamela Anderson. I think the slut shaming or whatever is ridiculous and unnecessary, but I feel like this show is doing a lot of work to portray her as innocent and sweet and naive in a way. And I'm not sure I'm buying that part. What do you think? I have a little more context. First of all, this series is primarily based on a rolling like oral history that came out after the events, because at the time, this is my personal experience of this, by the way, I did see the sex tape online, bits and pieces of it. 
this was just when the, the, the internet was starting to take off. So that's one of the interesting themes here is it's this I moment agree. where this thing yeah. can happen. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. It's because really when everyone was first getting their email addresses and, yes. and that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like it couldn't happen. We actually see um, Andrew Dice Clay in the third episode mentioned this. There's rumors forever about tapes of celebrities in some kind of embarrassing, compromised position. And uh, it's been happening forever, but it always gets shut down. There's always somebody gets sued and because there's always a name behind this. And Seth Rogen's character, whose name I can't remember now, but he basically says, no, but we can do this on the internet. It'll be anonymous. And what's fascinating is that they get away with it in a way by leaking this thing onto the internet simply by just having an anonymous website and putting the content out there. Although there's always some way to trace this stuff back, but they got away with it for the most part. So that, that's one part that's interesting. And now, of course, we live in a world which, like you mentioned earlier, which is fascinating, that we've gotten to a point where stuff leaks on the internet anonymously all the time. And then you have the whole Kardashian empire. Not only did it leak online, and you can question how innocent that leak was or whatever. But regardless of that, it's the fact that it's not even something that's going to like destroy your career now. It's such a career building moment for you, right? So that's an interesting uh, pivot point. And as a matter of fact, I think that maybe even in these first three episodes, they frame this very early on. I'm sure they'll dig into this much more detail over the course of the next few episodes, but they almost frame this in a way that this kind of ruined her career. But what we forget is that she did not get fired from Baywatch. As a matter of fact, she stayed on Baywatch for a couple more years and she made more movies. They failed. They weren't successful, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like people were saying this thing is going to ruin her. As a matter of fact, if anything, it made her the biggest star in the world possible. So for a moment anyway. So that was part of it. And like you said about Tommy, Tommy Lee was, you know, very flamboyant. If you ever see those Motley Crue videos of them performing live. At one point, he had some crazy drum kit. You've probably seen this if you are a Molly Crew fan. I am not. I watched the videos on TV. He's basically strapped into his drum kit and his drum kit is spinning in the air. It's ridiculous. It's like the most mm -hmm. ridiculous thing you could possibly do. And he's doing all this like in only a thong or jockstrap. That's it. That's all he's wearing. So he obviously loved being flamboyant. He loved being naked and tattooing his body. Mm -hmm. Total exhibitionist. Exactly. But he was famous. He's extremely rich. Don't get me wrong. Motley Crue was massively popular at the time, but this was after the end of their fame. They even tease it right. here, but they, they were one of the bands. And, and by the way, I have a whole episode in this feed, if you're curious about it, talking about the music of 1991, when Nirvana's Nevermind came out and they were one of the bands. Dr. Feelgood came out the year before Nevermind and Metallica's albums went to number one in 1991. Their albums came out in 1989, 1990. That album sold 6 million copies. Their next record sold half a million copies. They were like the number one band that had their heads chopped off by the whole grunge thing. And this is five years past, never mind. And you hear it only in the background. He's watching a documentary about the Motley Crue and yeah. they're saying like, what happened to Motley Crue? Yes. Like grunge destroyed Motley Crue. So he's yeah. in at the end of his career. He's nowhere near the mega star that he was. Yeah. And she, of course, is on the rise. She had been on Home Improvement. And now she's on Baywatch and uh, really, honestly, it's crazy. They have someone who like literally puts makeup on her butt. And that literally was the world she lived in, right? Where she's like, she was the biggest star on Baywatch, but it was just because people wanted to stare at her body in that bathing suit. Absolutely. By the way, these two actors, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier, by the way, for Marvel fans and um, Lily James. Yes. Lily James, who like from Downton Abbey, by the way. So quite a, a change of her image. And like completely unrecognizable here. Obviously she has makeup on and she has prosthetic chest as well. Mm -hmm. 
but they are like very naked in this show, although they're both wearing prosthetics. I, I was a little bit surprised at it. Yes. There's yeah. a lot of new. And, and, and he has a prosthetic on and she has prosthetic chest, obviously. But still, they have to be pretty naked around each other all the time. And that's it's pretty bold, <laughs> their performance. And very convincing, by the way, like both of them. I think that they humanize these very potentially unlikable characters. So I give them credit for their very brave performances. I think more what I have an issue with is how successful this is in addressing all of this, right? Like it's obviously not as funny as this all sounds. They have a Nine Inch Nails soundtrack playing like uh, Trent Reznor does. Not only do they play Closer, which obviously is a throwback to the 90s, but the the actual music from scene to scene is Trent Reznor's music, current music. And uh, it's very moody. It's not like this kind of upbeat, goofy, jokey soundtrack. So they definitely are not letting the jokes be too over the top. I'm very curious to keep watching this, although I'm not sure how successful it's going to be at trying to tie all these things together. But I do find it interesting. They are trying to tackle with these things, the culture at the time, the, the way that just the public sex, for example, has become more acceptable now. And the shaming she got, she really took the brunt of it. Tommy Lee was like, whoa, man, you're the man. And she, as mm -hmm. usual, is the one who gets slut shamed for all of this, which is very sad in a way, because I think that if you've seen video, and I think that they'll excerpt more of, more of it here or recreations of it anyway, that most of the video is them like really in love with each other. They're cuddling together, they're mm -hmm. playing, they're eating out together. It's 5% of the, the tape is sex. The rest of the tape is them just hanging out. It's like literally just raw footage of them hanging out. And I think that the idea that this kind of like endearing relationship, and by the way, just another caveat here, complicating all of this, Tommy Lee and her had a bad falling out eventually, and he's accused of abusing her. And not only that, accused of abusing, uh, abusing his following girlfriend also. So. Maybe early on, it was all beautiful romance, but it may not have ended that. But so there's some complicating factors here, but I would just say that the content of the video itself is mostly them being in love with each other. And she comes off as being very earnestly in love with him. So the idea that she's shamed for any of this is ridiculous because what are you talking about? Like, this is someone who's just got married, who are in love with each other, obviously having sex with each other also, like, well, it's not something you wouldn't do at the time. So it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, I honestly don't really remember the slut shaming aspect of this. I, I totally believe that it happened. I just don't have a really vivid memory of it. And I'm curious how maybe it will deal with the idea of someone who is capitalizing on her looks, her attractiveness of men all over the world lusting after her and making a living off of it. How do you reconcile that within that step too far? Of course, there, there's an issue of how much was in your control and how much wasn't, how much did you decide to do and how much was decided for you. Right. But I think maybe some interesting things to be said there. So I'll be interested to see whether they address that or not and how they address that. For me, maybe the most revelation at the time, I remember when this happened, <clears throat> I was very cynical about it. I basically said she had barbed wire, that barbed wire movie, which is crazy, by the way, a remake of Casablanca, no joke. But it's, and if you ever see that movie, it's definitely one to watch. Cause it's like, if you like watching bad movies, it's like one of those fascinatingly bad movies because it's bad, but bad in a very earnest way. So it's like truly the type of bad movie you should be tracking down. So de definitely check that barbed wire. 
especially when you think in context of her being the Humphrey Bogart character in Casablanca, because it's basically note for note. And I don't hear people mention that, by the way, which is crazy when you watch that. But regardless, Barbed Wire was about to come out. It flopped. Probably that many people have not watched that movie. <laughs> it, it was a flop based on its ex <laughs> expectations, but it did make And I'm sure it's one of those movies that like once it hit HBO, everybody watched it. So I'm pretty sure that people are familiar with it. But, uh, but regardless, it did not do anywhere near as well as they expected. It was her having a starring role where you see it here as well on Baywatch. She's really not getting a lot of dialogue to say. So this is like one of the first times that she had a starring role. And of course the critics, they had their knives out for her after the sex tape. But I remember at the time being extremely cynical and saying, oh, she leaked the sex tape herself because they're saying, oh, it was stolen from our safe, which turns out to be mm -hmm. true. But at the time I'm like, what are you talking about? How did someone steal this out of your safe personal tape? And it seemed so ridiculous that it was a, a true story. But what this kind of, which I hadn't thought about at the time, obviously, is of course, like this is the beginning of the internet. No one has ever widely distributed any of this stuff in the past. And so this is the first time this could even happen in history. So it, the idea that this was all pre-planned is silly when you think about the actual context of the time. Right? <laughs> Today, if something like that happened, I'd be like, oh, absolutely. It was intentional. But back then it's just like, Maybe sending physical tapes of VHS copies of this through the mail is going to make this thing go viral. This is pre-viral. Like, how is that even possible? Like, and if 10,000 people are watching this on, at home on their VCRs, how rich is she going to get off of that? But I, I find the tone of this show very weird, right? Like when you see that Seth Rogen tries to sneak in with a white carpet wrapped around him to pretend right. to be the dog, which actually happened, by the way, this is the actual facts of the case. That could be made for very broad slapstick and the show is not playing it that broadly, which I find weird. The jokes should hit harder, I think, on this show, unless they're trying to take this into a more earnest direction. But I don't know. Like I feel that once again, very intrigued. And I'm also very curious to know what tone they're trying to hit on the show, but I can't figure it out. I really can't. I don't see it as a comedy. Yeah. yeah. But then he has a whole conversation with his penis. Like, like, well, that's uh, not, we're supposed to take that uh, seriously. Like there's so cringy. I feel like the shows I'd battle with itself where I feel there are scenes that are supposed to be taken very seriously. And there are scenes like when we see the backstory of Seth Rogen's character and his wife, where he actually was, this is true, by the way, he actually did perform in, in porn movies sometimes with her that that part of it could obviously be very over the top comedic and they have intentionally toned it down. But mm -hmm. then I'm like, why even include the content in a way if you're not going to make it into a joke? That tone is so off for me, but it only makes the material more interesting for me. I'm watching it like as if I'm watching a movie, trying to see what are they trying to do here? So mm -hmm. I'm still curious to know what, what are they trying to do exactly? And the material itself is interesting to me enough that I'll probably keep watching it. But I'm confused by it. So. I'm sure that wasn't their goal. Probably not. I think it's doing a good job of selling the story that these two are in love. Right. I think that part is believable. It's doing a good job of selling the story that Tommy Lee can be a total schmuck sometimes. That's getting done. I Like I said, I, I think it's trying to sell that. Pamela Anderson was as pure as the undriven snow or driven snow, whatever that expression is. And I'm not sure I'm buying that part. I don't know. How many episodes is this show? Good question. Let me pull it up. It is eight, eight episodes. Okay. So we're a little bit more than a third of the way. And I think 
I feel like everything we've seen so far is groundwork and we'll see whether it takes off from here or implodes from here because they definitely are setting the stage, I think, for these two are blissfully living their lives. Things are not quite perfect, but they're very in love. She just found out she's pregnant. These two are having their happily ever after and this thing is impending that they have no idea about. By the way, has he not noticed that Safe is missing? Apparently in this show, he has not noticed. And once again, this is factual that I don't know if he had multiple safes or if he didn't really have much stuff. Yeah. This isn't like the jewelry safe in a hotel room. It's a giant safe. Yeah, we actually see it there. There's a moment where he's in, uh, he's practicing his drumming and there's like the whole area where the, and he just walks by it. Apparently, once again, going back to that Rolling Stone article that, and this is the other thing that made me suspicious that this wasn't true at all. It took months and months for this thing to go mainstream, for everybody to realize it was out there because like, people were saying like, we have pictures of Pamela Amundsen naked. There were websites like this all the time. That was just like background noise. But then all of a sudden, maybe months after this kind of this, and, and we're just at the tip of the iceberg here in the story that he's going to start shipping these things out. And then of course, people start copying them and putting them onto the internet. So someone even takes it one step beyond what he's thinking. He's like just thinking about distributing physical copies. People are going to start putting it on the internet or clips of it because back then I was anyway downloading music on the LimeWire and it took like two hours to download a two minute song. So these clips were very short. Yeah. But anyway, this stuff starts leaking onto the internet. And at first they heard this and they're like, whatever. And then they started seeing the actual video and they're like, oh my God, this is our video. And that's when he realizes that the safe is missing. And this is like months and months later when you're worth tens of millions of dollars and you have a giant mansion, maybe <laughs> you don't check your safe all the time. Who knows? It just is a piece of furniture. Like, hey, there's a giant hole in the wall where the safe used to be. It just seems like something you would notice, especially because at least the way it's portrayed, his drum kit is in there. I don't know. That part is a little bit, whatever. I can suspend my disbelief. This is just an aside. This is part of the reason, honestly, this is part Mm -hmm. of the reason I didn't buy the story. I'm like, someone took a safe out of your house and you didn't notice for six months. How is that even possible? And also, it's not like he cleans that house himself. Like he has a staff. Like somebody didn't notice. Like notice it. Hey, just making sure you did have that safe move because it's not there anymore. Right. <laughs> like, wouldn't someone bring it up at some point? Or just as friends, like hanging out there with the guns and maybe someone would be like, hey, what's that? Why is there, wasn't there a safe there before? Like nobody noticed? I don't know. Yeah, strange. Certainly, I'm willing to watch more and see how this all works out. And I do think, as you pointed out, there's an interesting sub story here for those of us that were old enough to remember when, are old enough to remember when there was no internet at all. Right. And how all of this developed into something that we now can't live without. Like you see him find the plumbing supply store right on there and it solves his problem. I remember getting my first email address. I remember not understanding if the internet and the World Wide Web were two different things. (laughs) Sometimes people said the internet and sometimes people said the World Wide Web. And I couldn't figure out like, oh, I guess I use the internet to get on the World Wide Web? Is that what's happening? But like, it's it's fun to to watch that develop, the whole dial-up modem, the, all of that is like a fun nostalgia for those of us that, that lived it. The whole AOL, you've got mail kind of feeling. I completely agree with that. That's actually pretty funny that the thing I would say that is compelling me the most in the show, besides the performances, I am very curious. You see them trying to humanize Pam Anderson and how much of this is 
creative license, I'm not sure, but they try to humanize her and her trying to be like, I want to be a more serious actress. And she, maybe this whole thing does derail that part to me. She comes, becomes more famous than ever, but does it actually help her career in the long term? And I do want to see that. I know that they already tease it here, but for example, Jay Leno is really taken to task in this. They show him to be the probably horrible person that he actually is. He's not the only one that was making fun of her on TV, obviously. But so that's going to come later. And I am curious to see if this is a reclamation. So I am interested with what they have set up. And like you said, now we're going to get into the, the meat of the story. Is that going to be interesting or not? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly don't know. And I think that's probably what we have to find out in the next couple of episodes. But the thing I find most fascinating, and I'm a tech person, I work in technology. So I do find it fascinating to remember how far we've come technologically. And like you said, this is like the World Wide Web. People don't even know what this is. People are literally saying, what are you talking about? He's like bragging. I've been on the internet for over a year now. So it is pretty fascinating to remember that time and how naive we were back then compared to now where everybody has the internet in their hands at all times, at every moment of every day. Yeah. If you had told us then that, yeah, you're doing all this now, but someday you're going to have a device that fits in your hand that you can take anywhere you want to go. Even the idea of cell phones was first, the, the point was supposed to be to use it as a phone. The amount of times I actually use my iPhone as a phone is ridiculously small compared to all the other things I use my iPhone for. Exactly. Like the last thing I use it for is to talk to people, honestly. Exactly. Even if you're communicating, A, communication in general is probably towards the bottom of the list of what you use your phone for. And to your point, the communication is not like talking on the phone. It's like texting mostly. Exactly. To see in our lifetimes how much has changed is crazy. And I think also something that is more on topic is the way that has influenced what we know about other people's sex life, what we sex lives, what we think about other people's sex lives, what the access we have to other people's sex lives. That I think there are a lot of things that probably seemed very scandalous right. back then, which doesn't seem that long ago to me because I lived through it. To a kid born in the year 2000, it seems like a different, it is a different century, right? But so there are probably a lot of things that were very scandalous then that now we wouldn't blink an eye at or it would be part of the 24-hour news cycle and then forgotten. I still think it would be a big deal though, by the way. I think if this broke out, we have someone who is like the contemporary Pam Anderson. I'm trying to think of who that even is because we really don't have that kind of mainstream character anymore. Maybe a Kim Kardashian, by the way, but even that doesn't make sense because maybe she was a Pam Anderson at the beginning, but now she is like a, a media mogul. And maybe Pam Anderson, Pam Anderson could have made that pivot in this current world. Pam Anderson does not have a Kris Jenner, first of all. Yes, true. true. Kris Jenner is essential to making that happen, especially because Kim Kardashian was nobody. Pamela Anderson was in a whole other yes. league. Kim Kardashian was a nobody as far as I can recall. Anyway, obviously I'm not on top of this whole sex tape subculture. <laughs> the draw of that tape, I, if I remember correctly, was that she was with Brandy's brother, cousin, something? Yes. Yeah, Ray J, Ray J, who these, uh, who's right? a rapper, a famous rapper at the time, actually. Yeah. So it wasn't really even about her. And she, with a lot of hard work by Kris Jenner and talent and skill and a, a great eye towards marketing, 
has created this. It's insane to me. <laughs> First of all, find it utterly fascinating that the Kardashians have multiple generations of the Kardashians now have billion dollar empires based on this fundamental yeah. moment in time. If that video had not leaked, we would have been in a non-Kardashian world. That's how insane this whole thing is. So all that is utterly fascinating to me. She was OJ Simpson's lawyer's daughter. So there was True. That. I think yeah. she was completely a nobody in the right. sex tape, just the girl in the sex tape, basically. But then what was the beginning of her kind of reclaiming her own power from that crazy moment in time to the point where I think that videotape is mostly forgotten by people who anybody who's younger than us or 10 years younger than us or more, it's become such a small part of her legacy. But to that point, I think that the OJ connection obviously was huge, that making that yeah. connection to her dad was what kind of was the beginning of that pivot. And there's other ones, like you said, it's her mom, it's Ryan Seacrest, right? Who like meets them and he just knows them somehow or had her on her, his talk show. And he just thinks about the dynamic of the family and goes, you guys should make a show. And he starts producing a TV show for them. Like literally one of the very first shows he ever produced. So I think that it is all these connections that allow it to happen. But still, I think when, to your point, imagine that it is the same sex tape today Pam, Am Pam Anderson is the girl in the video. She doesn't have maybe the mentor at the time that Kim does, but, but she is so much more famous, right? It would be so oh. much, right? That somebody, Ryan Seacrest or somebody else would, you know, grab her by the hand and mentor her into something. So I think that the opportunity would be there now. That wasn't there 25 years ago. Yeah. That's 25 years ago, by the way. It's pretty nuts. As far as what it means for how old we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. Because it doesn't seem that far long ago. But here's the thing. I think even in the consciousness of pop culture, it doesn't feel that long. I think that a lot of people who are probably watching this show, who are in their, whatever, they're millennials, that they probably remember stories about this thing, which doesn't seem like, you know, that long ago, but, but we're old. It's what it comes down to. <laughs> we are old. And you just had a birthday. Yeah, half a life, lifetime away. Exactly. I know you're saying you think it would still be considered scandalous now. I think, I don't know. People are so savvy now that I, it would be either purposeful or it would be an altered tape of some sort that somebody put out there. I think there, there's tons of places, right, that claim to have celebrity right. nude photos or sex tapes or, or whatever. And who knows what's real, what's doctored, what. I, I just think there's a more like blase attitude towards all of this now, um, especially if it's just traditional boring sex. Going back to the idea of what's driving my interest the most in this show is the technological side of it and remembering that shift. To your point, yeah, not only do you have deep fakes now, you actually have, for example, the iCloud hack that happened, whatever, five or six years ago, and you saw some very famous yeah. actresses. They're photos, their private photos from their iCloud got leaked onto the internet. I think when it becomes so commonplace, it's not as shocking anymore. And the other thing, like you mentioned, is that we, with our phones in our hands, not to be too crude about it, but we basically have access to pornography at all times. All the time. I mean, so who is shocked by this anymore? Again, like this is not really my thing, but I assume you had to make some sort of effort back then to see porn. <laughs> exactly look it up on your phone, right? You had to go into the back room of a video store or go buy a magazine or whatever. So this is a real shift. I think as it became easier to access our societal attitude towards it and how scandalous it is, 
changed as well because you didn't any longer have to sneak into the back room of the video store. And to that point, this is something that I don't think they've addressed in this show, but maybe they will eventually. It is this really fascinating thing that no one really talks about, but that it is people who are in the vanguard of any technology, it's almost always sex related. <laughs> so for example, the VHS, that what, what broke out the popularity of the VHS was pornography because all of a sudden you could watch pornography like in the comfort of your own home. So not to say that everybody who had a VHS machine in their home, obviously we all did, right? <laughs> that we all were there only watching pornography on it. But the point is that the people who were the first to buy it and get it installed in their home was people who wanted to watch pornography at home. And then whatever, that got to the 20% of the population, which then made it affordable for everybody else to jump on board. And the same thing happened with the internet. A lot of people who, when they looked at like analytics back in the day, they would say that a huge chunk of what people were watching the internet at the time early on was pornography. And I'm like, as if that's surprising, I think they had, when Pornhub got into trouble recently, they were saying at certain parts of the day, 20% of all the traffic on the internet is Pornhub or something like that. Like it's Pornhub and then Netflix. So obviously <laughs> people, the internet is for pornography basically. It's not, it's always been the case and it's just going to continue to be the case. I'm sure VR has not broken out, although it's you know, growing very quickly, but I'm sure VR will, there's going to be some whatever, VR uh, sex software or, or game or something that will break out VR in a huge way. And I'm sure that it will take sex for the VR to go mainstream. Very interesting point considered before. Yeah. So sex and technology always go hand in hand. So it's just a matter of time before we see whatever that next evolution is. Something that I just thought of that I mentioned earlier on that I would like to go back to for just a moment. Maybe you can think of somebody like this. I can't think of somebody in maybe because of the easy availability of pornography, speaking specifically of that, that I don't think we have a Pam Anderson-like person in our culture where basically she would be on Home Improvement and one of the most popular shows on TV and people would just go and watch Home Improvement to watch her come out and scantily clad in some costume. And then of course her butt falling out of her outfit on Baywatch. Now, don't get me wrong. There are definitely women who are sex symbols today, but they have to have more than that because if you just want to stare at someone's butt, you can watch pornography any second of the day. This is something I was just thinking about as we were talking too, as far as technology and how things change or whatever, not in the computer or internet realm necessarily, but from what I remember, and I could definitely be remembering wrong, when Pamela Anderson was really popular, it wasn't like that look was a dime a dozen. Now, people have hair extensions, people get lip filler, people go tanning, people can make themselves look like Pamela Anderson as long as you've got the money and the time. And I think that look becoming more accessible has made it less valuable. Because you can go on TikTok, you can go on Instagram, you can find a thousand girls who look exactly like that. Whereas I think at that time, I know she's the stereotypical blonde hair, big bust, blah, 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 blah. But it wasn't so easy for the girl next door. I guess her thing was looking like the girl next door. Right. But it wasn't really possible for the average girl next door to fashion herself in that way, the way it is. Right. That's another thing that's interesting about having that kind of blonde bombshell template that she obviously fit into. And once again, I'm not sure if we still have that to the same extent, because I think that 
mainstreaming of that has gotten into pornography because porn, pornography has become mainstream. But to your point, you can now go on Instagram and these girls, there is technology now, like artificial intelligence that will reduce the size of your waist, that will make your boost, bust look bigger, will change the shape of your face. So they're getting filtered in their videos in real time. That's where we're at. Like you mentioned that not only are there deep fakes of videos where they put famous people's faces into existing pornography, but you have these women who are Instagram famous. They literally say this, you wouldn't recognize me in the street because they're so filtered right. in the way they right. present themselves that they don't even look real anymore or look like their right. counterparts. It's just making explicit what was always an illusion in the past, although it was done with like lighting and done with makeup and done with selective cropping and things that now it's just made explicitly clear because the AI will just fix everything, <laughs> just fix all the, all the imperfections. And of course, then that becomes an expectation, which could be toxic. It's a whole other side conversation, but that report that Facebook ran on itself saying that girls who spend a lot of time on Instagram, they have 30% mm -hmm. more likely to be suicidal. And this is like their own self-assessment, right? So we know that this is potentially a dangerous thing. And I find Pam Anderson interesting in that context because she's somebody, once again, this is something I hope they get into more in, she was a Midwestern girl who was a good girl. She really did have this very naive pers perspective on going to Hollywood and becoming successful and having that kind of, and of course she gets to Hollywood and she gets famous, but everybody just wants her to show her body. So she never gets beyond what she thinks is the first stepping stone to her career, but she is, even in the context of the movie, they touch on this. She was the type of girl who was a good girl. She didn't want to have sex right away. She didn't want to be too easily available. So she had this. That's where I'm not buying into this. I don't know. I mentioned before she was with Brett Michaels. Um, like this doesn't seem like good girl type choices. You know what I'm saying? Oh, she was always with trouble with guys who had problems. And I'm not saying that to be clear, I'm not saying that she would not have had sex with Tommy Lee before he proposed marriage. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that she wasn't the kind of sleep her way to the top type girl. Oh, the sex to me. I just feel like they're working very hard to be like, oh, she loved the king and I, and she related to Anna. I don't know. I feel like they're doing a lot of work here. That's like, I can like her just fine if she right. loves to have sex and do drugs sometimes. I still can like her. Right. I don't right. need that. And I don't doubt that she could be a very nice person. She can be a little bit jaded. She can get that she's capitalizing on what her body looks like because that is success for her at this point. Like I'm fine with all of that. It's not going to make me like her any less. So I feel like it's not coming across as genuine to me, I, but I don't know her. Maybe this is all true. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too. Oh, and the only thing I was going to add to that is that on the one hand is that I was at the time extremely cynical. I thought she was totally in on it. No one, by the way, minor spoilers for the show coming up, if you've read this article, but no one made a lot of money off of this because they started selling these tapes on online. They sold a decent amount of it. They made some money on there. I won't tell you what happens to the money because it's funny and I'll leave it to that because I don't want to spoil that in the show. But I do want to mention the fact that just the, the practicality of it, that once they shipped this stuff out through the mail physically, that people started to upload it on the internet. It had right. absolutely no value once people could okay. download it for free. Right. So the very technology that they were so proud of having to crack this code is the thing that basically undoes them. And that I think is extremely fascinating. And nobody really wins from it. These people who stole the tape don't make money off of it or very little. And the and then the celebrities themselves. And once again, minor spoilers for, I'm sure this will be in the show coming up, 
but very minor. Like I said, you could just read a Wikipedia article and get all this information that I'm about to tell you. But eventually they sue them and they do get the rights of their own video back. And then they open their own website where people can download it. By then, it's this has been distributed everywhere. People are paying like monthly subscriptions to watch the videos online. The internet's gotten better, faster. And, and they make some money off of this, but they make whatever, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're multimillionaires. This is not making them rich. So right. no one made money off of this in the end. And then Tommy Lee's career didn't come back from the grave. And, or maybe a little bit, actually, he did have a solo record that's pretty well around that time. And her rec her career went on a trajectory and, and, and I don't think it helped or hurt her. She actually had her own TV series that ran for four or five years coming right on the back of the videotape, but I don't think it, she wouldn't have gotten what, that either way. How's that? What show was that? What was it called? She was like, a, it was like a Charlie's angels where she was Charlie. She was like sending the angels on missions. They were like models. I don't mm -hmm. remember what it was called. It I was like one of those syndicated shows that apparently. It was one of those shows that just like Baywatch that was on the air. And it's like, this is the 100 million people watch Baywatch every single week. And you're like, really? Like <laughs> who was watching the show? But she had apparently a syndicated show, her own show, by the way. So maybe that is a show she wouldn't have gotten one at the sex tape. Possibly, <laughs> possibly. I'll look it up right now. While I look this up, are you planning on continuing to watch? Yeah, I probably will. Especially now that I know I'm more than a third of the way through. I feel like... It's all been built up to this point. So I got to see what actually happens. She was in Scary Movie 3, which made a lot of money. Okay. What else was she in? She was in Home Improvement till 97. VIP from 1998 to 2002, 88 episodes. <laughs> Valerie Irons from VIP. It does sound vaguely familiar. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of it. I am pretty sure I've never seen an episode of it either. But I do remember the like intro late at night or in one of those like syndicated slots where they're just like randomly nothing's on tv except for and you're like flipping through and she had a lot of scantily clad women running around right and this is back when this is back in the day when you could basically have a whole show just based on that because you couldn't watch porn on your own so you had the to, whole usa network was based on that for a little while <laughs> this is a good point total side digression but i remember a show that i did used to watch because it was titillating and also had a murder mystery in it, but it was called Silk Stockings. Did you ever watch this show? I've heard of that, but I never watched it. Was it a show or was it? It was a show. It, yeah. it was like a series? It was a series and they had female and male cop. And it's pretty funny. It's like Bones, but back then. But it okay. also had basically like PG-13 sex in every single episode. Or probably more than PG-13. I think they had to run it at night. So I think it was like a little more, th there was no nudity, obviously, but there was a lot of almost nudity. Like USA up all night type nudity. <laughs> yeah, first up all night. Yeah. It was like another genre of movie that's disappeared, by the way. The sexy thriller, like uh, Basic Instinct. That it was basically that, right? That was a very popular genre for a while. Yeah. yeah. Very popular. Late and then 80s. it went, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. And it transitioned over to VHS basically in that time period. Yeah. Early 90s was basic instinct, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I guess Fatal Attraction was maybe the first one I can remember. Oh, there's probably more than that. Actually, this probably goes earlier than that. But I remember Fatal Attraction was just such a massive success. That was a huge success. Yeah. And it's nominated for Best Picture and everything. It's pretty crazy. And, but uh, yeah, anyway, so Silk Stockings, it was usually open with a sex scene of some kind that ended in murder. And then of course the detectives would have to come in and solve the murder by the end of the episode. A little throwback to the nineties. That's the, 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 what kind of used to pass for trash television. <laughs> Entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was saying trash television. Oh, now that's just shifted over to uh, 
reality TV, like TV now, all yeah. these dating shows, right? Like F Boy Island, which are much cheaper to produce. It's much cheaper to produce these pe people that barely get paid anything. Speaking of things that used to be scandalous, I actually have never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. Although there are certain times of the year that they seem to be on literally every single night. But from what I understand, The Bachelor, which is on at eight o'clock on a major network, there's a portion with like a fantasy suite where the point is that the guy or girl is taking their a series of potential love interests back yep. to this suite and having sex with them. Eight o'clock on ABC. Could yep. you have imagined when we were children? Not only have I not watched any of these shows, and this is such a big digression, but I have a real issue with these type of shows in that so many women watch these shows. It's still that programming of what you got to do is you're going to grow up, be, make yourself really pretty, and then some handsome guy or some rich guy is going to come and sweep you off your feet. And I'm like, really, this is still the world we live in, but I guess the only thing I can say in their defense is at least they're doing the bachelorette as well, right. but. The whole thing, yes, feels like a crazy throwback to like these women are going to claw each other's eyes out in right. order to get guys good graces, which is part of the reason I refuse to watch it is because just on principle, this is a terrible idea. But it just floors me the things that, you know, would have been would never be on network TV when we were growing up that now we're like. So sure, as part of picking their possible partner for the rest of their life, they're going to take this, this several different people back and have sex with them and see how that goes, which might be not that divorced from what happens in real life, but crazy to me that it's like being sanctioned in this way. And I, again, no slut shaming, whatever, but it just is interesting how times have changed. I think that The Bachelor, now I'm going to tie it into the Pammy Lee, Pam and Tommy Lee conversation. Pammy Lee? Pam and Tommy Lee. Oh, Pamela Anderson Lee for a while. <laughs> so she maybe did go by Pammy Lee, actually. Yeah, maybe. The Pam and Tommy Lee series, to tie it back into there, I think that maybe that's what kind of feels so reductive to me about The Bachelor, for example, is that I think that Pam Anderson, whether they got to flesh her out, her backstory, but I'm sure all the women who fit this mold at the time also could have profiles on them that make them much deeper. But what I'm mentioning is that there was a whole kind of system in Hollywood, obviously, where girls would get off this bus, they would sleep with the right producer, and they get a whole movie career out of it. This is like back in the 40s, the 30s, the 50s. But then even in the, the time of uh, Pam and Tommy Lee, it was this basically a pipeline that went through the Playboy match, Mansion, where you made yourself look a certain way, you got into Playboy, and then from there, you got a TV show. But more importantly, you hung out at the Playboy Mansion, and then you started dating some rock star or something, and then that's mm -hmm. how you made your career, or your, not your career, sure. but that's how you dated. This is how you slept your way to the middle, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, so the reason I mentioned that is because I think that is the same template that we're seeing in the back, that it's the same idea. So to that point, I think that at least maybe this says something. It used to be that the whole goal was to like make yourself pretty and then find yourself like a rock star or, or someone rich to take care of you. And then with The Bachelor, it was still like these women competing for uh, this guy, but at least there was a competition where it was about them to some extent. But now I think like The Bachelor, even that feels antiquated and maybe I'm being optimistic in saying this, but I think it's just hanging around basically because it was one of the first. But I think when you see these dating shows on Netflix. And by the way, I'm saying all this, not having watched one minute of any of these shows, but it's just my gut instinct in it, that at least it 
is like the guys and girls competing on a lot of these Netflix type shows or F Boy Island on HBO. It seems like the things that go viral now are more about the guys and the girls in that at least they are more empowered in this new role than I think in the old days where going back to the idea of Pam Anderson having dated all these musicians and B-movie uh, stars and, and models, these almost famous guys, uh, that was the goal, right? Get some implants, get into Playboy, and then hang out at the mansion. And if Hugh likes you and lets you hang around, eventually you'll meet a guy who will take care of you for the rest of your life, or at least for the next 10 years, which is very sickening when you think about that. But that's not unlike the way Hollywood worked for a very long time, right? I would say it probably still does. And look sure. at this Harvey Weinstein stuff that yeah. obviously Harvey Weinstein is on a whole other level than typical musician. But I think there's a lot of that going on still. And I think, and probably one of the things I think that came out around the time of the Harvey Weinstein scandal, not just for women, for men as well, an equal opportunity casting couch <laughs> at this point. Right. I, I have thoughts about Hollywood and the entertainment industry and what it rewards. And listen, I, I think, it's not for the faint of heart. It's cutthroat. It's ruthless. And yeah, a lot of it is about what you're willing to do and what you're willing to put up with and how much it means to you to get where you want to be. And that's not just, not necessarily sex. So much in life is connections, right? And not right. just in health, like in all areas of right. life. So much in life is who and who can do you a favor and who you owe a favor. It's not exclusive to Hollywood. But I'm wondering also, talking about how much times have changed and how much the internet is maybe a part of that. I'm not sure. Do we really have blonde bombshell idea anymore? Or no. have our standards of beauty become so much more varied, which I would say is a great thing. That is no longer, I think, still valued, but not held up on this pedestal the way it used to. Yeah, I think that's the advantage of, you know, just transparency in general, by the way. I think that now there are Reddit sub uh, forums where a lot of these meet these particular perpetrators got me too'd. So I think that the internet, once again, going back to the concept of the internet, has its negative sides, but it has mainstream sexuality, like I mentioned before, but also it has made a lot of this more transparent. So I think to your point that there's still a casting couch, but now that you see so many women in power, and it's funny, it's that the fact that the movie industry has been broken up, the real power now is with like these streaming companies. And even though it's such a, a men's club still in making movies, like 90 something percent of movies that get released in movie theaters are directed by men. But now you see some of the biggest, most powerful players in the streaming world are all women. And they have women in power in these different companies. So there's a lot more transparency. Women have a lot more creative control. The actresses have more control. Like for example, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon and so many other actresses, I can't just name them all, that have their own production companies. Technology streaming has made so much more content. And now because you can cater to an African-American audience, a Latino audience, an Asian-American audience. Your show can be something that is catered to a minority, which then can cross over. So those standards are not just like, we need one girl who represents the ideal look of an American woman who's going to appeal to everybody because this one woman is going to be on this one TV show. Now it's going to be hundreds of TV shows. So like you said, you have breakouts with all kinds of different beauty standards, right? And there's not one homogenous view of what a pretty woman is. It's much more disparate now. And that's it all for the good. That's all for the good.
For sure. This conversation actually turned out to be much more interesting than I even expected, but I do think that is what's interesting about the show. I don't think the show can actually pull off all these things we mentioned, but it does make me think about all these things, which I think is valuable in and of itself. I agree. Yes. I think it's not as ambitious as our conversation was. But it could be. To the show's credit, I think that it is playing with all these ideas. So I think that it is, can it actually explore them in any rational way (laughs) or not rational, (laughs) but explore them in any interesting way? I'm not 100% sure, but it did make me think about all these things, which I think is valuable. All right. So that was actually a very interesting conversation. And maybe we'll touch base towards the end of the run. And uh, we'll have a follow-up conversation right here in this feed. And we'll keep you all posted. Anybody out there listening to this now, we will be talking about, if you want to follow along, we'll be talking about the, sh- the movie Kimmy, Steven Soderbergh directing, Zoe Kravitz starring, another film about technology. That will be on HBO Max this week. Watch so. if you want. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, just, just watch it. You know what? You can either watch it and listen to our conversation, or you can wait to see if it's worth watching. <laughs> but we will, either way, it'll be on this week on Thursday, I believe is when it premieres. And we will be touching base again on the after this week as well. And that should be an interesting episode. It's going to be a high school genre. There's so many different versions of the high school genre. So we will wait and see if they can pull that off. That might be a little too ambitious for them also. If you are interested in music of the 90s, there's a whole podcast, two episodes where we discuss some of the music of the 90s. I know that a lot of people love the needle drops in the Pam and Tommy show. So we have more nineties music there. If you want to check that out and uh, more nineties, we did a recap of the yellow jackets, which was one of our more popular episodes and definitely check that down. If you haven't listened to it already and watch that show, by the way, very entertaining show, also a nineties throwback available on Showtime. And that's it. Oh, and lastly, uh, like I said, check out Murderville, watch the Conan Bryan episode. It's only like half an hour long and it's hilarious. Very funny. And Camille Nanjiami one as well. I'm probably mispronouncing his name. I think it's Nanjani. I think. Nanjani. There you go. Uh, I'm not 100% there. And, uh, and that's it. Thanks, Sona. Talk to you later.